Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Hello, everyone, and welcome to RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska. And we are just continuing in a theme that's very prevalent here at RN Huddle, and that is wounds. And so what we are going to do is we're going to talk about ostomies for the next couple of episodes. And what we're going to do is our co-host, Renee Pollan, who is, as we know, all things wounds, is going to lead our guest speakers through a very engaging discussion on common challenges with ostomies particularly post-op. So we are going to learn a lot from our experts, Ann Liff, Cassie Norton, and Chris Berkey. We are so excited for this very special information about ostomies. So Renee, take it away. Welcome back to RN Huddle for another episode of the Nebraska affiliate of the WOCN Society's Ostomy podcast series. Let's take a walk through the ostomy care journey. The team of walk nurses are back. Chris Berkey, Ann Liff, Cassie Norton, and myself, Renee Pollan, to discuss the common challenges surrounding leakage of an ostomy. This can be very frustrating for the patients, nurses, and other support staff. It can be very time-consuming and overwhelming of what to do with the wide variety of products out there. We will talk about some common stomal and peristomal complications that are experienced, including how to assess to help determine the cause of leakage, and then what to apply on the patient. So my fellow walk nurses, we all know following surgery that a beautiful red round budded stoma on a flat abdominal surface emptying directly into an ostomy pouch is the ideal case scenario. I see you guys are already smiling. (laughs) However, and unfortunately, this is not always the case. So can you tell our listeners what to look for immediately post-op, such as color, stooling, the shape, sutures, etc., of what to assess, and maybe even some examples of when you have notified the surgeon? So this is Anne. As far as what needs to be assessed, I usually will go in within the initial post-op period and make sure that their pouch is fitting correctly. I'll look at the stoma, check the color. Ideally, you want to have a nice rosebud, like you said, and it should be red, moist, and supple. It will be edematist right after surgery. Um, You won't necessarily always see any stool at first or any flatus. Okay, so what about the suture line? Okay, I I know I would always look at the suture line and I'd be very cautious of what I applied because, you know, we want it to stomatize. We know it can be fragile. We don't want it to dehiss, retract from the edges. I know we all have our technique of what we do when that happens. I'm talking to my walk nurses here. But what do you guys um, look at when you're looking at the sutures? What are you guys looking at? Are you looking at, you know, what I should put there and so I don't traumatize it with, you know, the type of product? I know convexity it has been discussed that it should not be placed on a suture line. But I'll disagree with that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was kind of probing <laughs> to talk about that. 
Well, and I guess the reason I say that is the thought behind that whole process of no, no convexity on a suture line isn't scientific evidence, it's experience. And I guess where I would throw out is, so if I've got a high risk patient um, where I work, we have a lot of transplant patients. And so they may be immunocompromised and immunosuppressed. So I, or if they're a cancer patient and they're on immunosuppressive drugs, um, usually they're not by the time, but if they have to have like an emergent ostomy because of a perf or something while they're on their chemo, it happens. So people like that, I might be hesitant to, to do like real firm rigid convexity but nowadays we have options of softer convexity or cut to fit convexity. A cut to fit isn't going to be as rigid and firm as a pre-cut one. So I, you know, to me, I, I guess I've learned over the years, I would rather have convexity on a patient than have them leak. Because the worst thing for a brand new ostomy patient is to experience constant leaks and they think this is their life. So I would much rather risk the mucocutaneous junction than have them leak. And I don't know that there's good scientific evidence to show that putting someone in convexity right after surgery is going to, to contribute to that separation. So what do I mean by that? The, the mucocutaneous separation is the suture line right around the stoma. So when the surgeon makes the stoma, they use stitches down at the muscle layer when they pull that that piece of bowel up through all the different layers of tissue. So that kind of gives it support up on the abdomen. And then at the skin level, just below the skin, they do sutures all the way around the stoma. Usually those sutures are dissolvable sutures. So usually they disappear within somewhere between two and four weeks. Sometimes they'll come off as you pull a pouch off because they'll you know, kind of be healing and, and they just kind of pop off and it's not usually a big deal. But as far as the whole point of not using convexity, if they're constantly leaking and the stoma is not budded, so it does not stick up more than, or maybe it's completely flush to the skin, or maybe it's actually below the skin, or maybe the stoma's budded, but the opening where the, the effluent, the stuff coming out, so the poo or urine, maybe it's below the skin. So I see that, I'll, get, I'll have somebody show up in the clinic, they've got a nice budded stoma, but their functional lumen, their os, is literally located below their skin. So you know, you're gonna have to put them in convexity to avoid the leakage and, and the chronic skin irritation. Absolutely, and I think you had a good point about applying that convexity and how people think that that could damage the suture line, but think about their overall status. Are they immunosuppressed? What's going on? Maybe a lot of times that's related to that suture line splitting. So it definitely always have to look back at the whole picture of what's going on with that patient. So very good point. And also the challenges, like you said, the os of what Chris was saying, the opening of the stoma, that can be so challenging and what she was saying of it pointing or underneath the skin or it's pointing downward. Those are all little details to assess with the stoma. Which way is it pointing? Of course, we would like it butted and right in the center, that opening where it could empty right into the pouch. But <laughs> that os is sometimes in a crevice, like right along the suture line and can be very hard. Like Chris said, the convex, or sometimes I had to put a, put a belt on. What about you guys? Have, you know, do you utilize the belts quite a bit in those cases, depending on the patient? Almost always. Yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
when they start to leak, then um, and we've assessed everything else, that they're in the right pouch, that we've cut to the right size. We've looked at uh, where they bend and we're still leaking. Then I offer up a belt to say that's just what will kind of snug up that way for against their body can't be too tight. The belt shouldn't be too tight. They should be comfortable in it, but not too loose either. And that just really helps snug up that wafer. And most of the time patients say they feel more confident than they feel that they have that stability there and that security. Exactly. I have to ask because with the belts though, I liked them, but I also didn't like them. And the reason being is because they would dig into and cause, I would almost, you know, could cause pressure injuries along the side if they're too tight. So I, started padding underneath them with like ABD pads and then taping them there so they wouldn't get sores, a pressure, or, you know, medical device related pressure injuries from the belt. So I would pad underneath there. Did you? I think that's a good, that? yeah, Renee, I think that's a really good point because immediately post-op, remember their belly's going to be swollen, stoma swollen. And a lot of times, depending on your surgeon, sometimes the stoma is located really closely to a healing incision that may or may not be stapled or sutured shut. Sometimes they're open. And so now you're dealing not only with a wound within a few inches of the stoma. And I know that's not really our point today, but it is something to consider. So if you are putting someone in a belt, you do need to to be very careful that um, you're either padding or protecting any issues around the stoma. So whether it's a healing incision, a dressing, just a really swollen belly that you don't want it super tight. Sometimes I know Um, I've had patients come in and they're like, you know, oh, they just keep snugging up my belt. And they say, well, if I wear it tighter, it'll be fine with a peristomal abscess. So yeah, you don't want to do that. You know, as far as belts go too, the other issue would be where the stoma is in line with the natural waistline. You know, if it's what I call a protuberant abdomen and the stoma is on the underside, what I call the shelf, it might be on the bottom of that apex of the abdomen, the belt may not even work at all. And so that's where you can get into using other elastic barrier extenders and things like this, uh, Y-shaped, C-shaped, you know, different things that you can use uh, along with hernia belts um, might might be a possible option, at least down the line, not immediate post-op, to be able to help secure that pouching system without that one inch wide belt slinging up or down and possibly creating the problems with leakage that you could see. Now for our listeners that are hearing all these great tips and tricks, if you go on the um, National WOCN Society website, there are some great resources and they give a list of different vendors. You can reach out to them and send samples of what you may want to try out. It's right there on the website. I can take a look and copy and paste it into the RN Huddle site for you. So do take a look at that uh, site because there's a lot of helpful resources. I think it's even under the patient resource tab, but uh, we'll, we'll give that to you. As far as um, we, we touched a little bit on an ischemic stoma, oh. that, that would be something that maybe nurses need to know as to when to notify a surgeon, what, what are we looking at? Is the bowel viable? Is it not viable? And when do you notify a surgeon? I find this kind of difficult sometimes because 
to know because you'll get a patient post-op and you'll look at it and it's all you see is black on the stoma. But you need to assess and look a little bit more, move it, you know, look gently, look around and be like, oh, right underneath it's a fresh red stoma. So a lot of times that the tip of the stoma will slough off. Sometimes it will look like yellow, slimy, and that eventually will fall off. So make sure when you're looking at the top of the stoma to also, you know, look a little bit more um, to see. I mean, it's always okay to notify the surgeon or talk, you know, talk to the surgeon's nurse and to be sure you're on the same page and have those same, make sure your notes line up, especially if the patient's new to you. But those are definite things to look at. Anyone else have that same when you're looking at a ostomy or the stoma, you've had to notify the surgeon, maybe had to go back to any of you had any where they had to remove more? Well, there's been a couple of times, um, and I know we're talking right now immediately post-op, but sometimes in home care, you get them two, three days after they've been out of the hospital and after surgery. And looking at that end cap, which wasn't in the report, just to make the phone call to the doctor to let them know that the, the end cap is black or it's brown, but to also assess as their effluent coming from it. Is it functional? Then at least the doctor is aware. And most of the time they say, yes, we're aware that the end cap is going to die and it'll slough off on its own. And as long as it's functioning, we're doing okay. And there's also no pain associated with it. So um, that's my experience several days past immediate post-op. And that, Cassie, is really where I think you need to watch the peristomal skin for any redness that may be spreading if there's a concern about how the stoma appears, if there's any ischemia or there's some retraction, really keeping an eye on any redness that could be extending far outside the pouching system, sometimes, you know, often toward the flank and everything and really keeping an eye on that. That would be, those would be situations where you would notify your surgeon if there's redness and hardness, increased pain that's unusual from typical surgical pain. All right. This was great information concerning our patients immediately post-op. And we hope that you will be able to look at your patient's ostomies a little differently when you're doing your assessments. We have more information to follow up with in part two of this episode. Stay tuned to learn more and hear more from Cassie and Chris and myself to assess for in the peristomal skin a few weeks post-op. Thanks for tuning in. See you for part two. Well, we're going to stop things right here. This is such a dense topic talking about ostomies and all of the things that you need to consider, particularly after surgery. So thank you so much to our guest speakers, Ann Liff, Cassie Norton, and Chris Berkey. We so appreciate your expertise. And of course, thank you to our co-host, Renee Paulin, who loves to guide us through all things wounds. You know, we're going to continue this conversation on our next episode, so hopefully you'll tune in. And we are going to talk about ostomies again. We're going to continue this conversation and talk about moldables, accessing the skin, and other related topics. So until next time, thank you for tuning in to RN Huddle. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 
at UNMC-CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.